New York Artists Collective. Hi there and welcome to the New York Artists Collective podcast this next one's about. I am your host Stephanie Manns, singer-songwriter and co-producer of the New York Artists Collective and today's guest is Nashville-based Denver native singer-songwriter and producer Samuel Lee here to talk about his latest track, Right Behind You. Samuel Lee, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to this next one's about. It's so lovely to chat to you. Thank you. Now, we met uh, a couple of months ago at a So Far show in New York City, and you were doing a couple of gigs around the country, but you're actually based in Nashville. Yes, I am. And how long have you been in Nashville? I've been here for about six years. Uh, I moved here in uh, May of 2013. So yeah, it'll be six and a half years pretty soon. Would you would you call yourself a Nashvillian? Is that what one calls oneself uh, I, when they're in Nashville? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's a weird it's a weird thing here. Or a Nashy. <laughs> oh, God, please no, no. I, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> there, there's this there's a strange thing in the music sort of community here where almost nobody is from Nashville. Right. Everybody's a transplant. And, and especially in the last five or six years, I mean, there's been such an influx. And so I uh, and I think a lot of the a lot of the people, you know, a lot of the people who move here, you know, you're you're touring, uh, whether you're a player or whether you're an artist or whatever. Oftentimes you're you're spending time in places that aren't Nashville. And uh, and and most people, most artists especially, you know, try to maintain some like hometown ties from wherever they came from. And I did that for several years where. You know, I came from Denver and I would go back to Denver probably three, four, five times a year to play shows and kind of reconnect with my fan base and friends there. And I think that's true for a lot of people. And so like you don't Nashville doesn't end up feeling like home for longer than I think it like another city probably would. I feel like maybe just about a year ago was really kind of the turning point for me where I was like, oh, like this feels more like home than Denver does. I go, I went to Denver and I felt like I was visiting instead of coming home. And, and I, and when I came back to Nashville, I was like, oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm home now. Like this is, this is where I am. This is where I live. Mm-hmm. What do you think was the, the impetus for that? Was there some, cause sometimes there, there is something that you're like, oh, that's what it was. You know, like for me, it was like, I, I got a dog and I suddenly just, for me, that was something that like I really sort of focused on. And then after a couple of months, I realized that it was a, it was an anchor. Oh, you know what it was? It was, okay. My parents are, my parents lived in Denver for 25 years. Uh, two and change years ago, they moved out of the country to New Zealand. Then they sold our family home. And on the trip where I went back home to help them move, I played sort of, I played a show. And, and that was the trip where I, where I kind of realized, okay, like, not only do I no longer have the family home that ties me here and, and my, my family no longer lives here, but also my presence as an artist in Nashville feels much more grounded there than it did in, you know, or here than it did in Denver. Um, and yeah, so I, I want to say maybe that was two, I guess it was probably two years ago now. I'm a Nash, I'm a Nashvillian now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you realized what it was on this podcast. I love that realization moment. Thank you. Thank you for that. I, I, pre- I appreciate you pulling that out of me. But we're going to talk about a track of yours called Right Behind You. And then I'd love to talk more about your artist career. But it's always fun cool. to kind of get into the nitty gritty behind a song that you've written. So, so tell me about the song. Tell me about Right Behind You. 
I, I wrote this song, I want to say maybe six, nine months after moving to Nashville. I wrote it with a with a friend, or rather, I started writing it on my own. Uh, and then I, I had a write scheduled with, a, with an old Denver friend of mine who had just moved to town, actually. And he and I sat down and, and kind of fleshed it out. And I, I, I had had the kind of the bones of what is of what is now the chorus. I think the line that I started off with was, was shake off the rust. Shake off the rust. And it wanted, I wanted it to be this sort of encouraging, you got this, or maybe like an I got you kind of song. We kind of fleshed out this idea that in the verses, it, it was sort of this melancholy like person. I imagine it being this person who sad, who kind of has some melancholy. And in the verses, I'm describing the the beauty in their struggle and the and and the sort of uh, subterranean strength that that person had. And then the, 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 the pre-chorus and the chorus kind of lead you into this thing that's like when you're under the thumb, when you're under the weight of the world and, and, and things are kind of dragging you down, recognize that you can handle Handle it because I'm going to be here to hold you up. You can fall backwards. You know, it's like like a, like a trust fall or something, right? Like you can fall backwards because I'm going to catch you. In large part, uh, because that's something that I have always really craved in my relationships, in my friendships, in my family relationships. Uh, I've spent a lot, a lot, a lot of time being being lonely and also wanting or needing more, uh, I guess, support. I feel like that's not fair, probably, to a lot of the people in my life who've been remarkably supportive. <laughs> but, uh, but, but that's something that I've always that I've always wanted and 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 felt like I didn't have enough of, maybe, or something. I don't know. Well, that's beautiful, and thank you so much for your honesty and your vulnerability. And you know, there are a lot of people who don't necessarily like to uh, go as deep when we talk about what the song is about. But I appreciate um, your openness there. So thank you. Thanks for you know. I know that. Uh, can be pretty long-winded about about <laughs> stuff like that you know like, I, I feel like every, every every day every day of every day of life is sometimes just like a big old journal entry for me so I appreciate you listening <laughs> anytime Samuel um okay well let's take a listen this is Samuel Lee and right behind you Sacramento Just trying to get your head right You always like the warm weather But the rain's been on your mind When you're feeling
Sam, that was right behind you. And again, I love it. I was telling you before we started recording that like I listened to that song once and then I went to do my laundry. And as I was going down the stairs, I was I was humming that song away and I thought, oh, that's 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 a really good sign. Like if if you after one listen, you've got it like that's a that's a good song. Uh, I really I mean, as a as a massive like fanboy of a lot of my close artist friends, uh, whose songs I often sing to myself. Um, that's really gratifying <laughs> um, <laughs> because I, I, I often I often find myself doing that more with friends, like more with people you know who I know. Um, I obviously I don't know. I feel like for everybody, you, you this is probably true for you, right? Like every singer in the world, like we just go through our days singing, and like the whole rest of the world, like we're oblivious and we're you know shopping for groceries mm. and we're singing to ourselves and other people are looking at us like why are they being weird <laughs> but well it's new york i think everyone's weird right yeah <laughs> did you produce this song yourself or did you because i know that that's something that you also do yeah so um i had a hand in the production in that i've had a hand in producing everything i've ever done 
this particular song and the group of songs that it belongs to um, were produced uh, by uh, by a guy named Matt Odemark. He's kind of my, not just for me, but for a handful of other uh, sort of Nashville singer-songwriter types. He's kind of like music dad or like music older brother. Been a mentor and one of a, a really close friend. And he, he was from a band called Jars of Clay. He and, and the other members of the band own a studio here in town. And, and they kind of, they put on shows and they, and, and they produce records and they do all sorts of fun stuff. And they have like a little barbershop in there that the guitar player runs. It's great. It's where I get my haircut. <laughs> and, uh, and so, it, so yeah, I, I, I made this group of songs, including right behind you, um, at that studio, at his studio. And it's, a a really cool place, uh, to, to make a record. It's a, it's a very like live recording kind of scenario, right. Where everybody's in the live room together and, you know, we're kind of, you know, you do, you do what you can to, to isolate the singer, but like, it's, you know, it feels like, you know, you're making a record in the old school kind of way. Um, and it was a really fun, uh, this song in particular was so much fun to, uh, to play. Like I said, with pretty much everything I've ever recorded, I have had a really big hand in the arrangement and the production of it just because it's, that's a piece that I've always been interested in. And, and now because I do produce other people's stuff, uh, being a producer, I'm actually producing for the first time a record of my own, uh, all by myself, which is, uh, as much as I have had experience producing my own records with others and as much as I've had experience mm-hmm. producing others records, it's remarkably daunting. It's like, it's like scarier than it should be <laughs> to like make a record all by yourself. So much pressure. There's no, you know, there's no fall guy. It's you. Yeah. Well, and another thing I wanted to ask you about, and uh, I mean, I, I mean, I could talk to you about music and production all day, as I'm sure you could I know that you've recently become an ambassador for Music Cares, which is an arm of the Grammy Academy's philanthropy branch. The Grammy Academy, the people who put on, you know, the Grammys, they do a few different things aside from just the awards show. One of the things that they do is add is like uh, legal advocacy. Like there was recently that the, the, the big law that got passed, um, the Music Modernization Act, the Academy, like we were sort of the primary lobbying body for that. And just sorry for the not to interrupt, but for the benefit of our listeners, could you just quickly explain the uh, Music Modernization Act? Basically, uh, a law was passed not super long ago, maybe I guess maybe a year ago now, that was years, maybe a decade in the making. Um, that was all about uh, <laughs> modernizing the laws that govern uh, intellectual property in entertainment. So royalty rates, how royalties are collected, how much musicians and other creative artists have to be paid. For musical compositions, how that process works in terms of who who's allowed to collect it and who's allowed to dispense the money. The rates that have been getting or that were getting paid out were prehistoric. <laughs> they were um, they were based on formulations from the 1910s and 20s, I think. And you know, which is has no bearing. That's really, I mean, that's certainly before the time of really anything that you know any technology that we consider mm-hmm. to be a modern tool for the consumption of music. Honestly, I think it was probably even before the, or at the very earliest stages of even, you know, vinyl recording. And so uh, all of our, you know, these rates are based off of this really, really, really old model. So it was about creating new laws, uh, you know, new, new, new rates, new um, models for how money changes hands and, uh, and, and in, in the music industry with the onset of streaming and digital downloads and and the lack of sort of physical record sales these days, it was way past overdue. Anyway, that's that law was authored in large part by 
musicians and 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 by people from the performance rights organizations and also from people from the Grammy Academy. That's one of the roles that we that we kind of fill is is uh, you know advocacy stuff for music people for the music community as a whole. Um, one of the other things that we do, one of the other big things that the academy does, is is music cares, which is program through which emergency aid is given to people in the music community. So musicians, music industry workers, players, songwriters, singers, you know, people that work at, gosh, even like record stores, I think. Um, But like, basically, if you work full time in the music industry, then you're eligible to receive aid when your ass is on fire. (laughs) Uh, Whether whether it's because you have a medical emergency or whether you're having, you know, mental health issues or which is super common in our world. When I moved to Nashville, uh, the, a, a big part of the reason why I'm involved in this is um, when I moved to Nashville, I could barely make ends meet. Uh, I was struggling uh, to pay my <laughs> uh, to to pay my very low rent and you know grocery bills. Like I was just I, I was not getting by super well, and I I was pointed in the direction of Music Cares, and they paid my rent for like three months. Um, so that I could, so that I could get on my feet, um, so that I could, uh, you know, establish, uh, you know, some version of an income. They have helped me get friends into rehab. I've been able to recommend a handful of friends who needed medical bills paid, medical attention um, that that they've paid in full. They have paid a medical bill of mine in full in the last year. I got it. I I, I had a I had a medical bill from Vanderbilt University that was big. And uh, my that my health insurance did not cover, and uh, and Music Cares covered it. Um, so really, it's a it's just it's financial and administrative aid for um, people in the music industry. And what does being an ambassador for them involve? Mostly an awareness thing. So something like this is is pretty good. Yeah, um, this is definitely one of one of the <laughs> things. Um, good job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah I did my job. Um, yeah, there's also a fundraising component to it, or at least it's not, that's not a required part. Um, most of the funds that music cares has to, has to pull from are gathered by the Grammy Academy based on a couple of big events. Grammy week is a very big fundraising week. And, um, and the, the person of the year concert, um, that the Academy puts on every year this year, it was uh, Dolly Parton. They honor the person of the year every year. And, uh, and that's a big fundraising event too, but there's also smaller fundraising that happens, you know, on the, on a more sort of local level. That's, that's, that's done by some of the ambassadors, uh, myself included. Um, and so the, the, the ambassadors are, are in sort of three branches. There's the Nashville branch, the New York branch and the LA branch Our our jobs, regardless of where we are, um, our, or our role, so to speak, um, is basically to spread the word that to, to our music people that, Hey, these resources are available to you if you need them and to kind of tell people a little bit about what the resources are and also to put on shows or like, you know, sometimes we partner with the local radio station here on New Year's Eve. I put on a a fundraiser with a local show promoting company and uh, we had a few local artists and we, you know, raised a little bit of money for a New Year's Eve show. It was like a masquerade thing. You know, we had all the little masks on sticks. And uh, and and so we raised a little bit of money that way. And I partnered up with a, a like creative branding, like marketing agency kind of firm. They wanted to do a, a fundraiser with uh, with us. And, and so we we had uh, we had some local acts come through and, and they had a bunch of their, you know, they had like a big old catered swanky fancy thing and. 
had a bunch of people come through and donate some money. So like it's it's awareness and 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 secondarily fundraising. Honestly, I think we by and large we consider we consider it a job well done if we drain more money from music cares than we add to it. <laughs> if through us, yeah, people take more money because because they heard of music cares through us, then like that's that's all to the good. Well, thank you for sharing. I'll put the details for Music Cares uh, in today's episode. Awesome. And before I let you go, Sam, one of my favorite questions of recent episodes has become, what are you currently listening to? Back in the days when everyone had an iPod, um, and I'm sure you were one of those people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, what would the top few tracks be on your uh, proverbial iPod? Well, I'm not going to tell you what was on my actual iPod, but <laughs> let's see. Uh, today... Was it Backstreet Boys or something? I, I wish it was. it was the Backstreet Boys. The Backstreet, honestly, <laughs> I feel like they got a bad rap in the in the you know late '90s or whatever. But like those guys were fire. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm playing a wedding this weekend for a friend, and she and she wanted me to perform something by Ray LaMontagne, something by John Mayer, and something by The Strokes. Uh, so I'm listening to all of those. Interesting mix. I also, um, I've been listening a ton to um, one of my favorite bands that like I, nobody knows. Um, they're called the Brothers Landreth, and uh, they just put out a record called 87. Um, I've been listening to that a ton. Um, and also in my car, I have like <laughs> two CDs because my car is still a car that, you know, plays CDs. And the, and the CD that has been in my car for like a year and a half now that I still listen to all the time is uh, Caitlin Smith's Starfire. Interesting. I don't know. Well, I know I know the, the three major ones that are being asked to play at a wedding, but I don't know the other ones. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the Brothers Landreth are worth listening to. Go check them out. All right. Sam, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, I love chatting with you. You're mostly the accent just makes me melt. <laughs> Thank you very much. I, I don't hear that nearly enough. Um, although I do hear it quite a lot. It still tickles me pink. I would love to see you when I'm coming down to Nashville, uh, probably sometime in January to see, uh, Miss, Miss Brandy Carlisle play at the Ryman. Oh God. Okay. I want to go to that show with you. Well, you know, Sam, I'm currently without a date, so you might well be called up for that job. All right. Now we're talking. (laughs) Sam Lee, thank you so much. I'll speak to you soon. Sweet. Samuel Lee and his track right behind you. If you like that track as much as I did, there's a link in today's episode where we will send you an acoustic version of Sam playing that song. So make sure that you go and check that out. You can find more about Samuel Lee on samuelleemusic.com. And on the next episode of This Next One's About, I will be chatting to an award-winning songwriter, Gretchen Peters. Gretchen has written for Brian Adams, Martina McBride, Shania Twain, George Strait, George Jones, the list really does go on. I'm super excited about this next episode. So make sure that you subscribe and it will come direct to your device when it's out. I'm Stephanie Manns. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. New York Artists Collective.